And welcome to the Voice of a Lion. I am Clay Schroff. And I am Michelle Schroff. And together, with an amazing guest, we are the Voice of the Lion. And we hope that it inspires you, gives you guidance, and you find strength in the journey and the stories of those that we have on. Now, Michelle is not only my co-host, but she's my gorgeous wife of 24 years. She's the mother of our 10 children and the best Mimi in the world. She was voted Mother of the Year by American Mothers Incorporated. She is the director of Zoe, which is a nonprofit that empowers and equips women that find themselves in abusive situations, poverty, and incarceration. She's an amazing public speaker, empowering those around her. She's a life coach, a mentor, and she is the blog author of runmama.run. Clay is not only the most adventurous husband, daddy, and papa, he is a veteran of the United States Air Force, specializing in security and law enforcement. He is currently the top producer for Larry H. Miller Automotive Corporation, director of Aspen, a nonprofit that positively impacts the family, and he is also a mentor, life coach, and a dynamic public speaker. We are so excited to hang out with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Welcome to the Voice of a Lion. This is Clay Schroff with the Voice of a Lion, and today we're missing Michelle, but we have one very special guest with us today, Nick McKinley, who is with the Deliver Fund, and we met how many years ago? Shoot, I don't know, 2015 probably? Yeah. Yeah, I moved, I moved to Albuquerque in 2015, so it was probably a couple months uh, after that. Call it, let's just call it June to make the math easy. And I remember um, when we first met, you kind of gave me a little brief of what you used to do. Uh-huh. You know, you, you come out of the special forces and then you did some stuff with our government, which we'll get into. Um, and then you had this vision of what you were going to do with, with an industry that we're very close to mm-hmm. because of the nonprofit we run. Um, we work very closely. 20 to 40% of our girls have been trafficked at one time or another. Right. But you're dealing with it on a much larger scale. But let's start with just what got you started. You were pararescue, which to me, you're the hero of the heroes. <laughs> well, thanks. You know, uh, we, uh, yeah, pararescue is probably the most, uh, we'll call it under advertised uh, special operations career field in the military. Uh, you know, a lot of folks just, they don't know about it. In fact, I actually learned about it from a Navy SEAL, a former Navy SEAL. Because uh, I wanted to be a medic in the SEAL teams, and he said, "Well, why don't you why don't you go be a a, par- a PJ?" And I was like, "What's that?" What's a PJ? The, yeah, I was in the Navy recruiter's office in Billings, Montana, and uh, and so I walked over to the Air Force recruiter, and I was like, "Hey, what's a PJ?" And he was like, "Well, I got a video for you." And of course, you know, they had a slick little marketing video. There, who? Uh... Yeah, so I watched it. I was like, "Ooh, that sounds cool." And then he said, uh, "I was like, well, you know, I don't know if I'd really want to do that. I mean, after all, it's the Chair Force, right?" And, uh, and I was it, Air Force too. Yeah. I actually, I, my, my uh, I entered out of Billings, Montana, which is hilarious. That's oh, awesome. really? I didn't I know did. that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the went to went to the Air Force recruiter, and he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I get that." He's like, "But you know, you probably wouldn't make it anyway," which totally playing a mind game with me. I was like, "What do you mean? I'm not going to make it?" And uh, he's like, "Well." Pararescue has a higher attrition rates than than anybody in the special operations world. So he's like, yeah, you, I mean, it's probably better you go to the Navy. You probably shouldn't. You probably wouldn't make it anyway. And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> let me show you. <laughs> you know what? But what what they do is you guys are going into super high risk areas, not only uh, 
under combat, but also rescuing other special forces and soldiers on the ground. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, you look at uh, like when Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, everybody knows, you know, his PJs who went and, you know, found him and figured out where he was and picked him up. Uh, Jessica Lynch rescue, multiple, multiple things. Uh, you know, PJs are usually attached to another special operations unit, uh, providing personal recovery and medical support to that special ops unit. So uh, I was actually just given, uh, my co-founder at Deliver Fund is a, is a Navy SEAL, and I was given him uh, a little bit of flack the other day because I said, well, you know, there was a PJ on the Bin Laden raid attached to SEAL Team 6. Uh, there was also a PJ attached to Delta when they just did the Baghdadi raid. Uh, so I was like, well, the SEALs are one, Delta's one, PJs are two. <laughs> I love all you. So, you know, hey, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the Parascue teams were good to me. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, all, all of the special operators in the military are doing phenomenal work. And they're all truly the best at what they do, you know. PJs are not as good at SEALs as what they do, not as good as, as SF at what they do, but they're really, really good within their specific mission set. And that's, that's really all of the, the special operations career fields. You know, there's a lot of overlap in those diagrams on mission set, but at the end of the day, uh, they're all, they, they all truly have a specialty and a core mission. And as a country, we, we really owe our special operators, you know, who are on the ground overseas right now, a debt of gratitude because they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, they're, they're disproportionately taking casualties. They're disproportionately, uh, deploying. They're disproportionately losing their families, you know, and that's one of the things nobody talks about the biggest war, the biggest casualty of the war on terror is not soldiers on the battlefield. It's families. Mm. I mean, when you're gone 10 months a year, uh, you, you can't not be surprised that families fall apart. I mean, my, you know, after pararescue, I got recruited to the central intelligence agency, spent a number of years there in one of the smallest uh, kinetic units in the inventory. And my, my unit had an 86% divorce rate. Now, of course, I'm the idiot who thought that, you know, that wouldn't apply to me, of course right? So. Because we all think that we can, uh, you know, we can do better than the other folks. And I think that's one of the reasons that, that that's one of the mentalities it takes to be successful in that type of, in that line of work. But at the same time, um, 86% divorce rate, like that's, that's the highest I've ever well, heard. And of. I know now you, you're, you're married and you have, you have a new baby. And I do. And I know you're taking care of your family, and I know you're taking time out to make sure that that's being taken care of now. Now, so the Deliver Fund, tell us about what that is. Sure. How your ex-CIA connections and training and your special forces training really, really uh, is the foundation in which you've laid this down. Sure. So Deliver Fund uh, is the name of our, our charity. We're, uh, we're a 501c3. And what we do is we really realize that uh, law enforcement and, and the public in general, uh, and then a lot of folks who have worked in the government as well, were very frustrated by the lack of, uh, the lack of attention to what is the ultimate problem when it comes to human trafficking. Uh, and that's to counter the action of the actual human trafficker. You cannot have a human trafficking victim if you do not have a human trafficker. 
That's the common denominator in the equation. And if you remove the human trafficker, the whole equation falls apart. And we talked about that. You know, we as an organization deal a lot with trafficked uh, victims, mm -hmm. but we're here to catch them after they're out of the system or they've right. been rescued or, and, and to make it so that they can have a life afterwards. And you were, our first conversation, you were quite um, direct on the fact that you care about that. That means a lot to you. Mm -hmm. But the overall thing is you're going to take away the man, not the pimp, and not the man who runs the pimp, but the man who runs the man who runs the man right. who runs the pimp. And destroy the entire network. I mean, right. my, you know, you were just telling me that you said 30 to 40 percent of the girls that come into Project Zoe uh, have been trafficking victims. Uh, I'm trying to take away that line, that that line of business essentially from you. Um, I'm trying to make it so that you don't have a human trafficking victim ever walk through your front door, and that's that's ultimately right. my goal. Is love this? You know, we want it, to. It, it's the human trafficking victims are essentially the the fruit that is growing on a poisonous tree, mm. and that the the poisonous tree that is creating that poisonous fruit is the human trafficker. We're killing the roots of that tree. Uh, we're, we're destroying those networks. You know, we work nationally. We work with law enforcement. Uh, I think we've, just this year, uh, we've got over 70 law enforcement officers that, that we've worked with on cases just this year. We work as, as, you know, far north as Seattle and as far south as Miami and everywhere in between. Uh, at any one time, you know, Deliver Fund's got about 30 people doing this work uh, at any one time we've we've got anywhere from call it 15 to 40 active cases uh, really just depending on what's going on and, and what law enforcement well and you have one on. heck of a team with a lot of history yeah coming alongside someone like you we do you're we filling do. in the gap tell us a little bit about your team so we've got a uh, what I like to call an unfair market advantage in that the only way you get to know people from the CIA and the NSA and whatnot is if you worked there. And because we did, uh, we were able to recruit folks that we deployed with overseas. Uh, if you look at you know my senior analyst, Kara Smith, it turns out that her and I were in Kandahar at the same time. I was on a, a covert base. She was on the military installation. Uh, and some of the actions that were happening on the ground, um, she found out that I was at, it was my team that was actually doing the work and feeding the information that ultimately ended up back to her as an analyst. Uh, same thing, uh, same thing in Baghdad. We were, we were, uh, we were kind of crossed paths a couple of times. Of course, we didn't know each other, but we were working largely the same, same target sets yeah. so it's just i was on the on the ground side she was on the analysis side so it was really cool that you know, we've been able to take what are some of the some of the nation's premier counterterrorism talent and we've been able to bring that to the fight against human trafficking and the the correlation between human trafficking and terrorism is is really stark uh terrorism people don't realize this but terrorism is a market uh, you know, every piece that goes into the act of terrorism um, is sold on a market. And, and really what made us successful in the fight against human trafficking, or I mean, the fight against uh, terrorism overseas, and, and our country is the best in the world at it. I mean, we're very, very good at it. Hopefully, the people listening to this podcast have realized that planes haven't been crashing into buildings and uh, IEDs have not been going off in rush hour traffic in L.A., 
And that's not for lack of trying on the terrorist part. Right. It's just we're getting really, really good at, at taking them out and, and, and deconstructing their networks and deconstructing their logistics chains. So we, we took those same lessons learned and applied them to the human trafficking market because at the end of the day, um, when we remove the emotion from the issue and we look at this academically, human trafficking victims are illicit commodities sold on black markets. So if we know how to fight illicit commodities sold on black markets in the, you know, my counter-narcotics work, my, my uh, counter-terrorism work, my counter-weapons proliferation work, it's all illicit commodities being sold on black markets. So if we can do that with those commodities, why can't we do it with human trafficking? Uh, that, was, that was the thesis that led to the creation of Deliver Fund. And what we found is that not only could we use those same, uh, those same methodologies, but it was significantly easier than those, those other commodities. And it's really because the Achilles heel of the modern human trafficker, especially in the United States, you know, the majority of human trafficking that happens in the United States is commercial sex related. Uh, the Achilles heel is the fact that they have to advertise. They have to get on the internet. Mm. And once you touch the internet, we've got you. You, I, I mean, the only way to go completely off the grid, so to speak, these days is to have zero electronic communication. So if you move to a cabin in the woods in the middle of the mountains in Montana, it's going to be very hard for us to find you. And you're not doing anything anyhow, so we don't want to find you anymore. Right. Anything short of that, uh, and, and we can find you. So we, uh, we owe the United States government um, a lot of credit for your success because they trained up your operatives in a sense. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, what's the... Uh, you know, when I was at PJ, uh, the budget to create one pararescuement was about $2 million. Uh, that was just one. Uh, longest pipeline in, in the special ops world, so it's really expensive. And then you end up at the Central Intelligence Agency. The CIA, by their own public recognition, um, hires about 1% of the people that they recruit into their pipeline. So then they turn around and dump an insane amount of money in those individuals. So you're, you're taking what is a very high level of training, stacking that on top of another, or using that as a foundation for another high level of training. And what that does is it, it, it basically makes it so that you've got people with, with what are essentially PhDs in creating illicit commodities and, or, I mean, I'm not creating illicit commodities, but fighting mm -hmm. illicit commodities and creating solutions to fight illicit commodities. And now we're just applying it here at home to a different target set. It's hey, really that simple. And just a quick quick move. You know, in the news, we have the uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Is that the, the yeah. proper terminology? Yeah. Has that brought light to what you're doing? Is it opening doors for you? Is it? Not really. It, it, it really doing doesn't. What you're already doing. Yeah, we've, we've been doing what we've been doing. Um, we... We had some involvement on the periphery of that case, uh, but that's a just that's a much larger case than most people realize. the The human trafficking issue, quite frankly, a lot of people still don't believe that this is happening in the United States, or they think that, oh, human trafficking, yeah, that's a bunch of uh, you know Chinese citizens being brought over in shipping containers, or or my favorite is, oh, I saw the movie Taken, mm. or I saw the you know, pick a Hollywood flick about people coming over the border in U-Haul trucks or something. And that's just, that's just not real. That's not, it, it's not that that doesn't ever happen. It does, but there's such outliers that you wouldn't, 
you wouldn't create a an entire organization to fight that. Hmm. Human trafficking is American citizens being trafficked by American citizens being sold to American citizens. This is a very American problem. Hmm. This isn't Cambodia. This isn't Vietnam. And while trafficking trafficking does happen over there, you know, like you said, I've got children. I've got a daughter. Uh, Fighting human trafficking in Cambodia does nothing to protect my daughter here in the United States. It does nothing to protect your daughters here in the United States. But fighting human trafficking in America has, has second and third order effects on the trafficking market in Cambodia and Vietnam and Thailand and those places. So if you truly want to have an impact on, on human trafficking worldwide, the best place to fight it is in Western countries. Uh, and the biggest market economy for trafficking in the world is the United States of America. Dollar for dollar, trafficking is bigger in the United States of America than it is anywhere else in the world. And that's how you, that's how you destroy an illicit market is by attacking the money and by attacking the market, not by uh, what is essentially removing commodities off the shelf. Now, there's new uh, programs and hardware that you use to see if uh, a site is using human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, we, we really protect our sources and methods. Uh, but what, we, uh, what, what I can say is that going back to our previous conversation about human trafficking primarily happening online in the United States on the commercial sex side, um, and we're even finding that a little bit on the forced labor side, it's happening as well. So if you touch the internet, we can find you. Um, and we can trace it back to sometimes you're, depending on the type of technology you're using, sometimes we can trace it back to like where you're standing right now. Thank you, smartphones. So, uh, and, and traffickers will use burner numbers, burner email addresses, burner phones, and they think that they're, they're actually uh, making themselves harder to find. But what's funny is, you know, what it, if, you see, if you see a bunch of people in a crowd but one person starts doing something suspicious, what did, what did they just do? They highlighted themselves. Right. Well, that's exactly what happens when all of a sudden we see, you know, on the, on the screen we see a bunch of registered phones and registered phone numbers, and then we see two in a hotel that are unregistered. We're like, oh, well, pff, there's your traffickers, right? I mean, it's, it's literally that easy. Uh, it's just you got to know where to go to get the data. you got to know how to analyze that data. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, on our social media a lot, we say that we're shooters with computers because we used to be shooters. We, we operated at some of the highest levels in the government um, doing that work. But, you know, we traded our guns for keyboards. And we did a lot of keyboard work in the government as well. And so now we've just doubled down on that keyboard work. And we're out there using those technologies in order to... Uh, find, fix, and then let law enforcement finish that human trafficker and put them in jail. And what that looks like impact-wise is so far, we've got a 100% conviction rate on the cases that we've been involved in, which, which is now in the hundreds. Uh, and the reason we have a 100% conviction rate is because the cases that we're involved in, usually the trafficker pleads guilty. Um, in fact, we just had a trafficker here in Albuquerque plead guilty. He's getting 14 years um, as, as part of his plea. The minimum mandatory was 15 for a federal sentence. He managed to plead um, and get 14. We've got another one here just in New Mexico where the guy's facing four life sentences. 
uh, for the trafficking that he was doing. Uh, we've got uh, just all over the country, these traffickers just plead guilty because the cases are so, they're just such slam dunks against them. Well, and you know, it's really, it's, it's neat for me because because you live in New Mexico, I get to sit right across from you yeah. and have this conversation. But truthfully, you're nationwide and truly worldwide in stopping trafficking. We, we are. We, we only work cases in the United States. We don't work cases right. internationally. Um, it, it's just a resource issue. But it's like you said, it's, it's cutting the head off the snake. The money's coming from us. Money's coming cases. from the United States. I mean, at the end of the day, the world's reserve currency is the U.S. dollar. Uh, if you want to have ripple effects on markets worldwide, the best way to do it is to affect the U.S. dollar's flow into that market. And that's, that's what we do. Now, another conversation we had is the people who are leading these human trafficking rings. Mm -hmm. So the whole, the, the head of the snake of that particular organizations are people in the public eye a lot of times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they are. I mean, there's everything from, like you mentioned, Epstein, um, you know, the trafficking that he was engaging in. You've got, uh, there was a, like a South, or I'm sorry, it wasn't Southwest. It might have been United Airlines. Regardless of the airline, it doesn't matter. Um, there was an airline pilot in Houston who was running a brothel where there were a bunch of traffickers within that brothel who were using that brothel to sell their to sell their girls. Um, uh, I mean, these are these are people kind of out in the open. No one's off your list, are they? No one's off the list. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you show up in our data set, uh, we actually own the largest uh, the largest data set of human curated human trafficking data in existence. Uh, I mean, it's it's significant. And uh, if you are in our data set, you've got some explaining to do. You know, and something else we talked about that it was a preconceived. I mean, I work on the very end of this of this, and I always thought that drugs. Mm -hmm. and human trafficking, like the, the major cartels, went together like peanut butter and jelly. And we had a conversation once that that isn't necessarily true. I don't, I don't think it is, and no one's been able to show me any data that, that says that. Um, one, there's the issue of human smuggling and human trafficking. Those get coupled together for political reasons, but those are very different things, mm. right? A, a, some, a smuggled human is a human who chooses to take an, take an action, actually asks somebody, like, will you take me across the border type thing, right? Now, that is a population that is vulnerable to human trafficking. Uh, so let's not, let's not whitewash that. However, one is not the other. Right. Um, so if you are, uh, now you also have lower level members of, of drug cartels and whatnot that might engage in human trafficking. Same thing with the uh, one percenter community that the MCs might engage in human trafficking. But that doesn't mean that, so if you have a Hell's Angel member who is trafficking people so that he can get money to pay his dues to the club, that doesn't mean that that is a club-sanctioned activity, right? Like gun running or drug dealing might. Um, same thing on the, same thing on the uh, uh, drug side. Uh, just because you have somebody who has a connection to a cartel does not mean that that is a cartel-sanctioned activity, right? So we like to, you know, we we largely have Hollywood to thank for this. Um, you know, when I first started doing this work, I would get a lot of people be like, oh, you're working human trafficking. Yeah, that's like that movie Taken, right? I'm like, no, no, not at all. Not even close. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not that. Uh, does, 
does that storyline happen? Sure. Uh, you know, but, but that's it's the exception. Yeah, that it, it's the it's the extreme exception, the extreme outlier. The, you know, yeah. the reality of of human trafficking is a uh, young girl, it's 12 to 14 years old is the is the age of entry, uh, the largest age of entry. Uh, usually doesn't have a lot of parental supervision, usually doesn't have a positive male role model in her life. Um, so dads, if you're listening, be good dads to your daughters. Uh, and she's looking, usually doesn't have a relationship with the Lord. And so she's looking to fill that God sized hole in her heart. And along comes some usually older, good looking, uh, guy who, you know, is targeting her as a vulnerable youth, starts showering her with gifts, you know, oh, you're, you know, you deserve so much better. And then brings her into the life of trafficking, gets her hooked on drugs. And, uh, you know, at that point, uh, she's, she's in. You know, we have a, a story here at Zoe where the girl was being trafficked at age 11 by her mother for mm-hmm. drugs. It's very common. Sent her out for a pack of cigarettes. Daughter says, I don't have money for cigarettes. And she goes, you know what to do. Meet some boys. Very similar. They were they were specifically combing, and I think you were involved with this at one time. And obviously names and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm on the far outside. You know, Project Zoe is a male-free zone, right? Um, but so the mother sold her daughter to these boys who trafficked her in four to five different states. Mm-hmm. She was rescued at 17, and I got to meet her. And here's what's here's the horror inside of me. This is where it made a change. Because of actions that you're doing, local law enforcement, this particular girl, I know her. She went to church with my girls. Used to actually pick on one of my girls. And there's a lot more to this story. But when when I met this girl, remember, it's not in this Mm -hmm. setting. It's just in a public. We, We invited her to go out. And I thought she was just one of my daughter's friends. Yeah. I recognized her, and these girls that are being taken um, and used this way, first of all, we don't know what their home life is, mm-hmm. um, but there is a great evil on in charge of this mm-hmm. that you're attacking, and I'm so thankful for that. But that's one. That's a personal story close to me that I didn't know or was able to catch. Yeah, and we had a... Uh, we had a case recently where a young boy was groomed for, I want to say it was almost a year, uh, through a gaming console. And my legal counsel says I'm not allowed to say the name of the actual, um, uh, of the actual box that people uh, were playing on. But, uh, but he was contacted by a trafficker from another state. Mm -hmm. Um, guy was a truck driver. And what he would do is he would he would groom these children through this gaming console, and then when he thought they were ready, he would when one of his trucking routes brought them through his uh, th- brought them through their city, he would he would say, "Hey, I'm up the road. Let's meet." So this uh, this young boy uh, left left his house, walked out the front door, and went out and uh, you know just jumped in this guy's car, like, "Oh, hey, like." I didn't realize you were so much older. Guy grabs his cell phone, um, throws the throws the cell phone out the door, and uh, yep, he's gone. And wow. uh, uh, wakes up in another city. Uh, we were able to 
help law enforcement from the time he went missing to the time that uh, law enforcement kicked in that guy, that trafficker's door. We were, uh, I think it was a little over 12 hours, uh, but we were able to actually find out who the trafficker was inside of about 45 minutes. Thank you, technology. Thank you, and, technology. Uh, really, really smart folks like, uh, like I've got on the ops side. So that's a really good example of the fact that this can kind of happen to anybody uh, because this boy had a very good home life. Mm-hmm. He had very involved parents. His parents knew the passwords to all of his social media accounts, and they reviewed them. Uh, they reviewed them routinely. His dad was a vice president at a at a very large cybersecurity firm. So, like, he's a tech guy who really understands and knows techs and the tech. And this happened to his kid, uh, and so that that just goes to highlight why we need to focus on uh, we need to focus on the causation of the problem which is the human trafficker now why do human traffickers get created that's a whole other conversation it would take us a week to actually unpack and dive through uh why is there even a market um you know men men who are listening to this podcast if you are engaging in the commercial sex world and you think you're just engaging in in prostitution what i tell people is if you've done it more than three times you have fed money directly into the human trafficking market 100 percent guaranteed uh if you've only done it once you have about a 33 percent chance that you have fed money into the human trafficking market i mean it is it is that big um the pornography market feeds into this i mean uh, all of the over sexualization of our culture feeds into the human trafficking market itself. And when you look at the human trafficking market, a lot of folks confuse prostitution and human trafficking. And let's make it very clear that those are not the same thing. Prostitution is somebody's performing a service. They're getting to keep the proceeds of their labor. Um, the other is slavery. It's, it's a binary issue. Um, so you'll have folks say, well, why don't we just legalize prostitution? Well, the data shows, and this isn't just, this isn't a political issue. This isn't Nick's opinion. This isn't Nick as a Christian saying this is wrong. This is, this is science. This is ir- indisputable fact. If you legalize prostitution, you grow your human trafficking market, hmm. period. It has happened in every city, in every state, in every country that has ever legalized prostitution, they have seen a massive increase in human trafficking. So, and why? That's the big question. Well, it's because prostitutes are a population that is vulnerable to being trafficked. In fact, most prostitutes become trafficked at one time or another, with obviously there there are outliers and exceptions. So it's very important that we we don't have a market for commercial sex. I mean, that's it. Um, if we get rid of the commercial sex market, we would no longer have a market of customers for for human traffickers. Um, I mean, Clay, you uh, uh, your day job is a car salesman, right? right? If I all of the sudden created a technology that eliminated the need for roads, you know, that, that Star Trek, you know, beam me up, Scotty. And I just created a technology where, you know, you could pull up an app on your phone and you could just materialize in wherever it is you wanted to go. 
None I just of us would have cars. I just put you out of business. I just put your entire industry out of business. Well, that's what we need to have happen on the trafficking side. However, fighting it at the demand level, uh, one, you're fighting human nature. You're it, there's obviously a massive spiritual issue there. Um, that's not something Nick McKinley can really do anything about. So I'm attacking the next largest part of the equation that I can actually affect, and that's going after actual human traffickers. What a voice of a lion. Here's a question for you. I ask you, all of our guests, if you could talk to the entire world, from the poorest of the poor to the most powerful of the powerful, so everybody, with one message, what would you tell them? Oh man! Oh man! Where to where to start? I I only get one. You only get one. You can stretch it out. I could take a really deep breath before I get before I get. Isn't that, that a message. great one? If you could talk to everybody, if I could talk to everybody, uh, it would be love your neighbor as yourself. There you go. You do that, and all of these problems, mm. they all go away. You know that's been a theme. Uh, uh, we've had several phenomenal guests on. And it's always, it's that, that's the overall reaching theme, either from kindness to, so the roar of this lion is? That, love your neighbor as yourself. That's amazing. It so will change the world. Thank you for coming in. It hey, means a lot. thanks for having me. I Hopefully this it. makes a difference. Hey, how do they contact you, or how do they reach out and support your organization? You can uh, learn more about Deliver Fund at deliverfund.org. You can find us on social media at Deliver Fund and all of your various platforms. And then you can find me personally. I'm at Deliver Fund Nick on all the various social media platforms as well. And we're thankful. If you are a human trafficker, you should not be subscribing to this podcast. And for the rest of us, we are very thankful there are people like you in the world using your, uh, your well-trained uh, your government-funded training to <laughs> stop human trafficking. Thanks, like to Nick. say, I'm the only person who ever stole anything <laughs> from the CIA and is going to get away with it. That's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thank you. And this has been the voice of a lion. And I hope that you enjoyed today's guest. I hope that they inspired you, they motivated you, and you find strength in their journey and the stories that they told. If you'd like to continue to follow us, please go to voiceofalion.com.